0: Welcome to Lead, Empower, Grow, a podcast featuring stories from entrepreneurs who lead productive teams that empower their communities and grow successful businesses of their own. Our guest today is Alan Guerra, a minister from Southern California who started a business to provide financial security to other pastors and their congregations. Alan spoke to me about how he came to see the importance of life insurance and his work providing retirement and life insurance to small congregations across the country. Let's dive in. Thank you, Alan, for coming on the podcast.
1: Thank you for the invitation It's it's an honor to be able to share a little bit of my story and my journey.
0: I just wanted to start off by asking what you were doing before. You joined First Financial Security. What what has your life been like up until this point? What led you to starting your own business and helping people find financial security?
1: Well, you know, my life has carried me through different avenues, if you will. I have been a pastor, serving in ministry for a, a little bit of over 40 years. So I have been involved in helping the community, uh, doing things for others, ministering to others, helping others. For many years, it's been part of who I am. It's not something that I do. It's just part of who I am. Uh, and on the secular side, for over 20 years, I was an IT analyst with major corporations nationwide. I was actually um, uh, working with the company that builds the the uh, drones, the uh, unmanned aerial vehicles for the federal government. It
0: sounds like your experience as a pastor was already bringing families peace of mind. And and it is impressive that you were doing IT on the side too. Um, But I can't imagine that gelled very well or kind of seems like a split. But going into financial services, I can see it almost fitting like a puzzle. There's the financial side and the spiritual side, both helping families, both helping people. Yeah, did the ministry come first, and then the IT specialist during the week? Were you doing both at the same time? Was it like a weekly job, and then the and then Sundays, pastor?
1: Exactly right. Well, being a pastor is not a weekend uh, job. Okay. But uh, I pastor a small church, several small churches, and so therefore, um, I, I it was required of me. It wasn't required, but I, I there was a need for me to also be dual vocational, right? To be able to you know support my family my wow. at the same time, and so and you're absolutely correct in your assessment that somehow those two uh, industries don't quite gel together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and that's one of the reasons why, after 20 years, I actually moved on from the industry, not that there's anything wrong with that industry, just from my personal perspective, where I was at at that time in my life, uh, I knew that there, I needed to make an adjustment
0: mm-hmm.
1: to what I was doing with my time and how I generated my income that better suited my, um, uh, my personality and my strengths and my skills. I decided that I wanted to do something that did not feel like a job. Mm-hmm. I knew I had to get up every morning and 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 go to work, but I did not want it to be a job. I wanted to have more control of my life, my decisions, my time. Uh, but also the ability to generate the income that I chose for myself and not be limited by a company or a position. And after doing quite a bit of research uh, and due diligence, I narrowed down my decision to financial services. It's a decision I have never regretted because it it honestly fits me like a glove. I I always tell people that uh, I don't mind working 80 hours a week if I have to in some weeks because we're building our business. Uh, but it's, it's my business. It's, I'm not working for somebody else with someone else's schedule, and that gives me a lot of control of my time, uh, my resources, and really, ultimately, I think all of us want to have more control of our lives. Yeah. And being able to do this in and, and partnership with First Financial Security, uh, it's an a- a absolute, for me personally, it's an absolute blessing. And that's why it was honestly a seamless transition.
0: It sounds like because you were pastoring small churches and you had to make a little more income. You already had the work ethic. So they, I imagine, yeah, if you're willing to do 80 hours a week to something that you're passionate about, you're already putting in so much just to support yourself and your congregations. That's uh, amazing. I love that you were able to improve that part of your life. We all want to do something we want to do versus just having to do like a job. So I love that. You said you did some research and you found financial services. So did anyone approach you about the opportunity or like introduce you to First Financial Security or was it your own venture? Or how did you hear about FFS?
1: Well, uh, yeah, you know, I I did do do over a year of research because I knew I wanted to make a change. And I looked at different uh, industries, uh, different types of jobs and, um, and whatnot. I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. I was involved with real estate. I was at a little consulting business on the side before uh, the market collapsed in 2008. Mm -hmm. I would advise investors how to invest in real estate. So uh, as I narrowed my search and spoke to many people and just, I always kept coming back to financial services. One of the key decisions that helped me as I did my due diligence in the financial services was that I actually experienced personally what it is to not be properly prepared. Mm -hmm. So right when I was in that uh, time of transition, uh, my mom Mm -hmm. uh, got very sick. And uh, before she passed away, she shared with me that she had seen a commercial on TV and she had purchased a life insurance policy. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Well, when she passed away and she went to heaven, uh, right there, you know, I have two brothers and myself. We were right there with the funeral director at the mortuary. And that changed really the course of my life Mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, as you know, the field director, one of the first things he asked was, did she have life insurance? And we said, of course. And he said, bring me her policy. We had it. Here it is. He reviewed it. And I'll never forget how he read it and literally threw it across the table to me. And he told me that paper is worthless. No And I said, no, this is her policy. She's been paying monthly, religiously, her her premium. This is her life insurance policy. And I asked him, please read it again. And he read it uh, one more time. And I noticed that he picked up my mom's death certificate. He read it. He said, I want you to pick it up. And I want for you to read it out loud so that all of us in this room can hear you. Mm. And so I said, "Okay." And he said, read the top heading what does it say and I read it and it said accidental death life insurance mm-hmm. and it's like a light went on it was one of those aha moments he mm-hmm. said this is what this is one of the unfortunate uh, things that happens to many people elderly they go out they see something on TV or something they purchase one of these type of policies that is an accidental death only type of policy they don't yeah. cover very much I just finished reading your death certificate said it was a natural death. So she has no life insurance. Mm-hmm. So you need to pay me $15,000 in the next 48 hours. So my brother and I looked at each other. My brothers and I, we said, well, that's $5,000 a piece. We ought to show up with this money in the next 48 hours. Mm-hmm. And long story short, one of my brothers could not do it. Mm-hmm. So that whole experience of how could that, this had that happened? She had a policy. It was no good. Mm-hmm. That whole... You, Situation left such a bad taste in my mouth.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, gosh.
1: That I said, I, I decided I want to learn, I need to teach people uh, how to avoid this. And it just that so happened that everything just kind of fit together. And then as I, I began to inquire more into uh, financial services and life insurance, and that was one of the key reasons that propelled me to go into financial services, because honestly, for me, it was how can I earn a living uh, educating others so mm-hmm. they do not have to go to this horrific situations that me and my brothers just went through, uh, especially when you think that there's already coverage and protection there. And what has happened since then is I have been in so many people's homes that have been in the very similar situation where I've asked them to bring me their Uh, life insurance policy, we have read it, and they thought they had permanent or life insurance, and it was only term. Now I do my job of educating them, and most people just are shocked that they do not have the protection that they thought they had, and that has been one of my biggest uh, discoveries while doing this is, is that most people that we speak with don't truly have what they think they have. That's where our aspect of not being salespeople, but being educators right. comes in. And we're able to say, listen, let's read your policy together. I did not come to sell you anything. Let me help educate you. Let's together read what you have. That, of course, opens up an opportunity for us to be able to, do, to educate them and, and hopefully offer them something better. How I came into contact once I made the decision and got licensed, how yeah. I made my decision, uh, to come into uh, FFS. Doing my searching there, I, I came across uh, uh, an ad uh, by whom now is my, you know, executive field chairman, Javier mm-hmm. Rodriguez, here in Southern California. Right. He had put out an ad looking for life agents, and the ad that he put out said, hey, listen, would you like to work with uh, police officers, with teachers, educate them how to pr- protect their retirement, and so on and so forth. So it caught my attention. It took me a a few tries to get a hold of him. He's a very busy individual, but I finally got a hold of him. And uh, a day before Thanksgiving, I'm in San Diego, he's in Los Angeles. I drove all the way before, a day before Thanksgiving, all the way to Los Angeles. Wow. And knocked on his door and sat down at his office. He shared with me the FFS story, the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I I have never looked back. I said, man, this is an, an awesome opportunity. To be able to help people in a certain way, by connected to a company that provides so much to his agents.
0: Wow, that's incredible that you had that initiative to seek him out to drive up. And Javier's built a great team out there. We often hear on the podcast people who have had experience in real estate, but yours is unique in that no one reached out to you, and and you found an ad. You already doing the research. I love that. Did you find anything about the transition to FFS challenging at all?
1: Well, you know. Um, that's a great question. I think when anyone is trying to launch their own business, any any entrepreneur is going to face challenges at the beginning and if someone's really serious about launching their own career, their own business as an entrepreneur, I view the opportunity as a train, as a locomotive. Mm-hmm. Very heavy very heavy train that initially takes some kind of effort to get that thing in motion. Because at the beginning, uh, as you look at you know, what am I going to do now, the challenge can be seen as very daunting. How am I going to get this thing going? How am I going to get clients? How am I going to make money? At the beginning, you have to you know, do your research. You have to get educated. You have to learn the process, the procedures, the company, the, the, the products, the carriers. There's so much to learn. And then you have to put it into practice. <laughs> Go out there and actually share that with someone else. And you have to do it in such a way that you capture people's attention and imagination in such a way that it would impact them and in such a way that it would compel them to do something, to take action, to sign up, to enroll. And I think that's the challenge at the beginning. But once it's in motion, it is easier to keep it in motion than to get it started initially. And I think that's the challenge at the beginning uh, for everyone that's listening to the podcast that's maybe new and feeling that the challenge, what do I do now? How do mm-hmm. I get going? Uh, that's that's to me the challenge, getting your train, your locomotive going, because once we get it going, it's easier to keep it in motion. And I think one of the biggest challenges for any entrepreneur is finding the way to relay the message. What we say and how we say it, how we deliver it. We have to be effective communicators Yeah. because we have a tremendous message to share about we have to learn how how to share it correctly and effectively so that the listener will be compelled to take action. And that's why I get up every day and still trying to fine tune myself, fine tune my message. And like I said earlier, I think when we get the locomotive emotion, motion. It's a lot easier to keep it in motion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that image, uh, particularly because a lot of our agents use the word momentum, but you're the only one to put it in an image like that one, which kind of speaks to your, I guess, your experience being able to turn something into a message but it is something that's so daunting at the beginning of entrepreneurship is like you have to be a student and a teacher and a salesperson and a marketer and i think that's why in the home office we've tried to ease some burden by making success tracks having marketing materials and it's encouraging to know that once it gets going it gets easier to wrap up i wondered if you had any goals for the last half of 2022 after leaders convention or if you had any goals for the rest of the year
1: yeah, thank you for that question, Jeff. I think any successful entrepreneur will always have goals. Uh, we always need to set targets in front of us. You know, here in Southern California, under uh, Javier Rodriguez's leadership, uh, Team Crusaders, you know, we specialize in specialized markets. And I haven't focused too much in the prior years in recruiting large teams, we focus more on the product and going after the clients. But for me personally, I started once again to build up a team. And a goal of mine is really to continue working on that, to continue to build up my team. And I'd love to be able to reach at least 10, 12 productive agents by the end of the year. Quality agents that are producing, that are active, that are really passionate about this as well. That's one of the goals. Another goal for me personally is to begin to work more with Kaizen. We do have a number of clients there already lined up, ready to go. I believe that's a tremendous opportunity to be able to help someone. So that's a goal, personal goal of mine as well. To continue to learn, to continue to grow, continue to work with churches. For me, that's something that's very personal because the the sad reality is that in the U.S., the vast majority of churches are small churches, meaning that they have less than 200 members. And uh, because they're small, their budgets are smaller, which means people that serve uh, as pastors Really don't have a retirement plan, they don't have life insurance because the churches simply cannot afford right. to provide those kind of benefits to them. Then that's where we come in, that's where I come in to be right. able to educate them that there's a way that we can help them. Uh, and I'm very proud to be able to do that. Like I mentioned earlier, that's why to me, this is not a JOB, it's an extension of a ministry to be able to help educate pastors and church members how they can protect themselves, how they can protect their families, how they can protect their hard earned money. So that's something that's very important to me. So I want to continue to expand that message. Every time we go into a church, we always partner with small churches to help them fundraise. So every church that I go into, we try to help them do some kind of fundraiser because every small church needs some kind of financial assistance. Throughout the years, we have helped raise hundreds of thousands of dollars nationwide that we have left right there with the churches to help them in the ministry needs, and their mission needs, whatever the specific need was for that church. And that's a blessing to them to continue the good work that they're doing. So we're very proud to do that, and we want to continue doing that at a higher level. Coming out of COVID, a lot of churches have lost membership, and as a result, uh, part of their income, part of their budget. So they need assistance like this. And for me personally, it's very important to be able to connect with those churches and help them do some fundraising on one side, and on the other side, bring the financial literacy education that they also so desperately need.
0: Well, I'm so happy you're out there giving people financial security, and we can't wait to see you on the next DDC with a strong team of productive agents. Can't wait to see you meet all your goals.
1: I look forward to attending our convention in Las Vegas. I'm very excited to be able to attend and to hear from all the experts, but also those that are starting out. Mm-hmm. it's always wonderful to hear the stories why they're doing this and be right. able to encourage those that are coming aboard uh, uh, to keep on moving forward to let them know that they are uh, at the right place at the right time with the right company
0: mm-hmm. right we always love those two minute speakers and we can't wait to see you at leaders convention i want to thank you for coming on although all your answers were so great and i want to thank all our listeners who tuned in to hear them for more entrepreneurs like alan listen to our past episodes and check out new lead empower grow episodes as they air every other week wherever you get your podcasts and at firstfinancialsecurity.com. And while you're at our website, you can check out our blog post about this episode. Until next time, thanks for listening.